you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination in godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B. and J. Mack are on tap to help us navigate the show. We've got a special guest who's going to be joining us today, Steve Demi, the founder of Matthew C. and the Ministry Building Faith Families, will join us in the second segment. And that's what we're going to talk about for the duration of the show. We're going to talk about building biblical families, why this is important, um, why this is the expectation Mm -hmm. of the Christian, and it's not something that's new and trendy in the like post COVID era, or it, it's not <laughs> new and trendy in the, you know, drag queen story hour era. Um, <laughs> but this is always God's intent for the family right. that, um, that we, the family is the foundation of culture. I mean, mm. the, these, this then becomes the basic building block. So we're going to talk about um, biblically what we might discover as we search out God's, desire his aim and his purpose for the family Mm -hmm. and what that looks like of course we're going to talk um educating your kids at home and that's such an important topic um because i i i think i think that when we discuss educating kids at home and it's really interesting that we in the news clip there it was kirk cameron talking about his most recent documentary that's coming out. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I didn't realize that that was going to be in the news story, at, you know, certainly as we book guests right. and plan for shows, <laughs> you know, but praise the Lord in his sovereignty. I think that so many parents all across this country are waking up to the very brutal. It's almost like a punch across the nose. You know, that sting, you know, it's, you know, if you've ever mm-hmm. been playing with your kids and they accidentally come down on your nose, man, <laughs> you have to just keep saying it was an accident. It was an accident. <laughs> You're saying it was an accident, not them. You, you, you know, <laughs> Um, <clears throat> but you're you're kind of experiencing that punch in the nose as you look at what is going on, what the desires are in our public education uh, yeah. system, and it's not pretty. It is anti God. It's it's anti Christ, mm-hmm. right? Um, in its aims and its function and what is allowed there. And and so often I want to say, you know, when we bring some of the stories, we look at what's happening in the education system, or we look at some classes that are being offered or we look at assemblies that have been held, uh, too often what you see coming from these schools is that, oh, they were unaware. They were Mm. unaware. Mm. But then when you kind of, you know, dig a little deeper, you realize that actually, no, this had been going on for a few years. This is just the first time that it was brought to the public's attention. Mm. Yeah. So it's not that you were unaware, or maybe it's that you were unaware that parents cared, Mm. right? Like you, you were unaware that parents actually cared about what their kids were being taught. And so when you have like leaked videos and things like that, or you have kids actually going home and telling their parents and the parents now believing it and not just dismissing it like, yeah, oh, okay. Okay. And and why do they believe it? They believe it now because, and, and with, with the weight that it demands because they're, they are seeing it happen in other places. So Mm -hmm. now they're not under the delusion that, Oh, this could never happen here. They're like, actually probably could. And they're watching for it, you know? Right. Right. So one of the things 
that I want to do in this first segment is I want to just very transparently mm-hmm. take you guys on the journey that the Lord took us on in um, just really awakening and stirring our heart to the role that he carved out for us as the parents of our children. Yeah. And, and go ahead. Willie Gray. Say, and you know, the <laughs> thing about when we talk about a topic like parenting, you know, uh, even marriage and things like yes. that, it's one of those things that it's like, we know as Christians how important it is, mm-hmm. but it's also one of those things that we can be really, really, really lazy and careless about. Yes. Like we can know, unfortunately, you know, all the benefits and all the importance of, you know, parenting and discipleship and all of mm-hmm. that. Like we can know it in our in our heads, but it, we can be very, very like lax about actually doing it, you know. Mm. And I find yes. that that this topic is like this. This is one of those things. It's like, man, you know, mm-hmm. if we could really understand even the generational effect that yes. it has, like in, 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 in being parents unto the Lord. Like, mm-hmm. and how after we're gone from here, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's still going to live on, you know, and, and if we really understood that, man, I think we would have a whole different like attitude really about Absolutely. doing certain things, you know? Absolutely. You know, and so just to back up, because we get emails, we get lots of emails asking us about what we're doing in homeschooling and we get mm-hmm. emails from people who are considering it, but they don't know where to start. We get other emails from people who are telling us that it's an impossibility and that we probably shouldn't talk about it as if it's a possibility. And, mm-hmm. and, and there's almost, there's almost this like going into it sort of defeated. It can't happen. So right, I'm not going right. to go into it. And so I want to comment on those things because you and I will agree. We were not immersed in any type of homeschooling culture no, at all. Not at all. You not and I were both um, educated in the public school That's system right. And I, I I joke about this from time to time. I will say, <laughs> guys, forgive me, but I'm just just going to be 100%. I will often say, man, I'm so glad that I was not bright enough to understand the conflict that was presented to me at school <laughs> versus the biblical worldview that I was being taught at home in church. Mm. Like if I had b- been just <laughs> a little bit brighter, I would have seen a conflict. You know, I didn't yeah. I didn't connect those things probably because. Right. In some instances, while I was being educated, um, I just, you know, I was just trying to get through the class. Like, I didn't really think about, like, the deep implications of those things. Um, So I didn't connect them as an assault on the gospel, as an assault on truth. And I can, I actually remember um, even going into, like, my first year of college, and I was in a geology class, maybe my second semester, I can't remember now, but I remember sitting in a class where um, for some reason I had my guard up and I don't know where this came from, but I had my guard up that, you know, these professors were probably, you know, they're not going to be Christian. And so I had to kind of be ready. And I remember going into this geology class and the teacher or the professor saying that she was a Christian. And I remember thinking, oh, man, this is great. And then as she kept talking, she just started kind of um, just saying a lot of things about evolution. And I remember being so conflicted, but I remember not having the tools Mm -hmm. and not having Mm -hmm. the ability to be able to like, um, really pinned down what I was conflicted about, you know? And so all of these things are just, that's just sort of by way of backdrop. But then when you and I started having children, we were missionaries to university students. Yeah. Um, we had learned to live and follow Christ, to live and follow Christ on the university campus, mm-hmm. right? I'm not saying that we were saved on the university campus. I went to campus as a Christian, 
but I had not been trained to be a follower of Christ. I hadn't right. been discipled. I hadn't been taught right. like just the focus of what it is to be a follower of Christ. But I was taught to follow Christ on the university campus. And there the Lord called us both individually. And then mm-hmm. once we were married, working together um, as missionaries to the secular university. That's right. And so it was on this in, in this sort of like um, area of ministry that you and I went into parenting. And I'm going to go quickly here because I wanted to just take this one segment on this. Yeah. But you and I went into having kids thinking our kids are going to be missionaries. We wanted our yeah. kids to understand that their faith is real. It's living. Yeah. And so they are going to be salt and light. And we went into that. And then when we started having children, we began educating them at home because mm-hmm. that's what you do. You don't even think about it. But right. when you've got your three, four and five year olds, even before they go to kindergarten, you're still educating them at home. Everybody starts out homeschooling. <laughs> Guys, right. let me just tell you, even You're for right. you, those of you who are like, no, nah, I've never homeschooled. Actually, you did before they went to kindergarten. OK, you were homeschooling. You were educating them. You taught them how to speak. You taught them sometimes how to tie their shoes before they were in kindergarten. You, you were doing all of these things. So we started out uh, homeschooling. Then we had a kid that um, she was going into the first grade. And so we put her in a private Christian school. Mm-hmm. And the second kid was supposed to be going into kindergarten. And at the private Christian school, they didn't have space for the kindergartner. Right. So we were like, surely that's a joke, right? You guys like, come on, come on. You guys are not going to make us divide up our kids, right? And and they were like, no, we literally do not have a desk. We don't have a space for your five-year-old. We have space for the first grader, but we don't have space for the five-year-old. So we were like, so, so wow, okay, so what are we like, what are we going to do? So we take the kindergartner and we put the kindergartner in kindergarten in our local public elementary school. And, and, and we're going from one end of town to the other every single day. Yeah. You remember it? Oh, oh yeah. man. It's like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> and and it, was, it was incredibly difficult. Mm-hmm. So then we decide, you know what? We're just going to take the first grader out second semester, and we're just going to put her in the public school, the same public school with the kindergartner, and there, then we'll have them both the same school. But what we began to notice is that our children were changing. So they, they went the first year um, half a year for the for the older one and you guys can you can do the math here okay but so they go the first year finish up the first school year then they go the second school year mm-hmm. and we started to notice a major shift and and one of the things one of the biggest things for me was recognizing that someone else had greater influence over our children than we did yeah because our kids would come home and mm-hmm. they would say things like well my teacher said mm-hmm. or my teacher said or so and so one of their peers right one of their peers said and it was stuff and that we didn't say. No, we didn't say. <laughs> and in fact, we disagreed with that. Right. We don't say that. We don't do that. We don't. Well, that's mm-hmm. not what the Bible says. And so so those are cultural things. And, and so we realized that we hadn't had enough time to shape them. They yeah. weren't ready to be missionaries. Right. Because they were actually being shaped by what they were confronting. Mm-hmm. They they weren't shaping it. They were being shaped by it. Right. right. And so we started to pray about this. And, and I and I had so many um, moments where because in the time that all of this is going on, I'm also still hosting a, a national radio program. We're, I was doing Middays with Miki, mm-hmm. and we're we're doing this. And, and, and so <laughs> I'm like, Lord, I believe that you've called us to this. We're both here very active in the ministry. And so we're like, so, so Lord, but here's the thing, guys, and this is where the rubber meets the road. And I want to be 100% transparent with you here because people t- tend to make rock stars out of people who sacrifice. But the people who sacrifice are always like, nah, I know the real story. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> right. Please hold, hold back your, it's, hold it's your difficult, applause. right? <laughs> hold your applause, please, because seriously. Yeah. And so we were in this moment where we like truly had to go to the Lord and say, Lord, we believe that you've called us to the Ministry of American Family Association. We believe that. 
we have no doubt at all that you have given us these children because clearly they are here. And we have no doubt at all that you expect us to entrust them with the gospel and to shape and disciple them. So, Lord, we have to have a fleece moment here where if this is what you're calling us to do, you will make the way. And so we reached this point. It was a, the point of no return where we're like, okay, Lord, are we going to educate our kids at home? Or are we going to ignore the conviction that we feel coming from you? And we went to our president. We went to Tim Wildman. Will the Great did, actually. He went to Tim Wildman. And he said, Tim, this is the conflict that we are facing. Because you have to understand, not only are we feeling the press and the pull personally, but we're covering the stories every single day. Right. So we're, we're, we are sounding the alarm for parents mm -hmm. while ignoring it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what does the president of our organization do? He says, yes, you can work from home because that was the thing. I've, I, we, I either can't do this work, right? I, I can't do this work and do the work that the Lord has called me to do as a mom to my children but if the Lord has called me to do this work for the American Family Association, then he will provide the way for me to do both without sacrificing my children for the work. Mm. Guys, that that's hard, right? Because then the question is, so then what happens? What if what if the president says, no, you can't you can't work from home? You can't you can't. So then now I have to say, well, Lord, what do I know? What do I know? I know that you've given me these children yeah. and you've entrusted us with this work, this important work of training them and passing the gospel down to them intact. That is the eternal work that I know without a doubt, no question that the Lord has called me to do. And the Lord made a way, the Lord provided a way to do that. But we came up to this moment where we were willing to say, if we can't do that, then the Lord has not called us to AFA at this time. Mm -hmm. Because this is important. Or at least, let me say it this way, he's not called me, right? Mm -hmm. Now, why do I share that? I share that because when we go into programs like this, there's a lot of people, there are a lot of people who will condemn themselves or they will accuse us of not thinking through and this is just difficult and, and the expense and all the costs and all of these things. But what I'm telling you is that when we start to talk about indoctrinating our children mm -hmm. and turning them away from the faith, I really don't think that there is a cost that we should say, well, I'm not willing to pay that. Yeah. I'm not willing to. That's just too much. There are people who will say time and again, I don't know how you do it, Miki. They say, I, I just couldn't be around my kids all day long. And this is what I tell them. Actually, that's not true. You don't know what it's like to be around your kids all day long because all you've ever experienced is the influence that has come from other kids all day long. Mm. You actually might like your kids if they were not so heavily influenced by other kids. Peer influence is real. Yeah. So we're going to talk about what it is that God calls us to do. We want to look at the state of the American family. <laughs> Let's look at every individual household, especially the household where the name of Christ Amen. is raised. Amen. All right. This is Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. We'll take a break. And we'll come right back with Steve Demi. Stay right there. Cry. 
Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. Appreciate you mm-hmm. listening. I'm Nikki. And I'm Will, and that's Phil Wickham with Living Hope. All right, I just want to say this one last thing, and then I want to go into um, introducing our guest, Steve Demi. He may, for some of our listeners, this will be the first time that you get to hear uh, from Steve Demi, and for others, it will be um, kind of old hat. You're, you're like, no, we know Steve Demi. He's a rock star in our family, like, you know, everybody, and which is <laughs> sort of the thing for our kids. When, when you can make kids love math, I mean, yeah, it's just an amazing thing. That's, that's a big, you know. It's a big deal, right? When yeah, you can make parents deal. love math and, and, and love <laughs> teaching math, um, that, that's a really, really big deal. So, so anyway, so we'll, we'll make introductions here. I want to say one other thing about our transition into homeschooling, and that was like the nutshell kind of a thing, like bare minimum, okay? Um, but just if, if we had focused on what we thought we were equipped to do mm. or able to do, uh, boy, would have kept us out of it. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm so grateful. Looking back on it, I'm so grateful that the drive and like the thrust of our like compulsion, if you will, to homeschool was that we saw the gospel at stake mm-hmm. and, and we saw our role as disciple makers uh, kind of being undermined by the peer-to-peer influence and all of those yes. things. We didn't go into it thinking, well, I got a background in this and I can, I'm going to do this. And, and, you know, and, and math, we just kind of, I think we just pretended, you know, it doesn't matter. We're going to, we're just going to, we just didn't even, but Man. the Lord even had a plan in all of that. And we're going to talk about that. Let me make a formal introduction here. Our brother, Steve Demi is on. He and his wife, Sandra, have been married uh, since 1979 and they've been blessed with four sons, three lovely daughters-in-law, and five grandchildren. Their fourth son uh, has Down syndrome and lives with them in Pennsylvania, where they make their home. Uh, Steve has served in full or part-time ministry, pastoral ministry, for many years after graduating seminary. And he's the creator of the Matthew C. <laughs> program that, <laughs> if, you, if, if you don't know it, we're going to talk a little bit about that because I can't say enough about Matthew C. And he's also the founder of Building Faith Families, which we will talk a whole lot about today. Uh, Steve's desire is to strengthen, teach, encourage, validate, and exhort parents and families to follow the biblical model for the Christian home. He spent years working with youth as a teacher in public school and private Christian school, and also as a pastor and youth leader in churches. And he's also served as a counselor or camp director at summer camps. And as he looks back on that, and this is what I think is going to be so helpful as we navigate this conversation today, he's absolutely convinced that the single most significant influence influence in a child's life is that of his parents. Mm. He says mentors and coaches have a valuable and influential role in the life of today's youth, but they cannot replace mom or dad. Mm. And then in in talking about outside ministries, a lot of time uh, we're looking to the youth ministry. We're looking to all of these other aids. And he says that they they are helpful, right? But godly parents are essential. He says ministries can support the home, but they can't replace it. Amen. Steve joins us today. We're going to talk about building faith families, but we have to talk about Matthew C. Steve, God bless you, brother. <laughs> Thank you. It's really nice to be here. Listen, so I'm what glad. What do you want to know about Matthew C.? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, every I want to go back. I want to talk the origin story. No, here's what I want to say. I want to say that I'm really thrilled that we get to talk to you on air. We've met you a couple times mm-hmm. at a couple conferences that we've been at, and our kids have uh, clamored to have their picture taken with you because it's Steve. It's 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 Mr. Demi from the videos, and <laughs> he's changed their life with math. And so, anyway, I'm just glad that we get to talk to you on air. Let's kind of back up and. And let's talk about what the Lord did in your life and in your wife's life as you guys were really exploring the role of the family in 
not only educating, but training our kids, I guess the totality of education, which I think will help us also get sort of the backstory on the development of the Matthew C. curriculum. Well, my wife and I um, both went to our first homeschool conference way back in 1984. And we sat in the second row in the first two seats, and we drank it in for two days. And our hearts resonated with the message. We still had some concerns, so we bought a bunch of books on home education. But I think the one single thing that won us more than any other thing was when we met homeschoolers and saw the relationship between the parents and especially the teenagers. Mm. Because in my experience, in all those years of working with young people, I rarely saw parents and kids who were still tight when the kids were teens. And we saw that at the homeschool conference. And we got in the car and we said, did you see those kids and the way they interacted with their mom and their dad? And both of us, I think, had a desire to be tight with our kids. And we felt like we didn't get enough of that when we were kids. Mm. And so we were hungry for a relationship between parents and kids. And that was probably the tipping point for us. So, Steve, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, so from, from that moment, you... Do you go right into homeschooling? How how does that all happen? But you probably were on your way to that. Yeah, it was pretty easy because our oldest was four, and our second was two, and our third was in the womb. So um, we were we were on this course right from the start. Okay, so back up. So you're out of seminary, and you start on this journey into homeschooling. Where does developing math curricula come in, and what about teaching <laughs> teaching this to okay. homeschool co-ops? Like, how do we get that in the picture? Okay, well, let me just do a little bit more backstory. When okay. I was in seminary, I had classes on education, but they were thinking mm-hmm. more about education of kids in Sunday school or youth groups and things. I even had a class on Christian schools and philosophy of education. And I did something radical, and I thought, I wonder what the Bible has to say about education. Mm. So I got out my concordance and wrote a paper, and and when it was all done, I said, it looks to me, after studying the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, that teachers are supposed to be the parents. Mm. And Mm. it looks like the curriculum should be based on God's Word. Mm. So I already had this foundation, you might say, and then a few years later we go to this conference and we were ready to go because I was already, you might say, biblically prepared from my study. But then having seen the fruit in families, that's what put us over the top. So then, okay, so let me jump up to the math then. So I was serving as an assistant pastor in a small church in Georgia. And at the same time, they were advertising on the radio for math teachers, and I needed a part-time job. So I became a math teacher in the public high school. And I was sailing along, and I found that I had a gift for teaching math. And I don't use that word lightly. I really believe it was a God thing. I agree. And then um, my fourth son was born with Down syndrome, and he had multiple surgeries and open-heart surgery, intestinal surgery, all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And my wife and I burned out, and we needed to regroup as a family. So we resigned from all of our commitments in Georgia, moved to a different state, and started afresh. And I needed to make a living, so I started tutoring children in math. And as I was tutoring them, I started writing worksheets for the kids I was tutoring because I wasn't happy with anything else I saw out there. And I would teach them with these 
block, plastic blocks, which you're very familiar with, and you mm-hmm. probably stepped on them in your socks. <laughs> but you, <laughs> but I, I teach the with the blocks until the light bulb goes on, and they understand math, which was any teacher's joy if a child understands what you're trying to teach them. Yes, but I couldn't yes. do that with just numbers on paper. I had to have a really nice illustration, and these blocks provided it. And then while I was teaching them with the blocks, I would leave worksheets for them to do when I wasn't with them. And at the end of one year, I had a whole bunch of worksheets. And homeschoolers said, hey, I heard you have worksheets. And then I had to write teacher's manuals, and then I had to make videos. And and that was the beginning of Matthew C. It was basically to use the gift that God had given me and to provide for my family. And God breathed on it. It continued to grow. And uh, my sons are now running that company. Wow. That's, wow. it's just unbelievable. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I would tell you, and, and, and yes, when your kid, when a kid in our case, our kids understand what you're trying to teach, um, it is a breath of fresh air, but I yeah. will tell you, I just will say this to any parent who is listening. Um, the thing that has been so encouraging for me and for Will the Great personally is that, you know, we see, um, God's wisdom in math, like we never saw it before. Like I, I almost feel like saying, um, I hate math is almost like an affront to God, right? Because <laughs> I've been able to recognize God's wisdom in math and how he has ordered and he is consistent. And there's just an amazing thing that I think, um, I missed when I was being educated the way that I was educated regarding math that you yeah. have been able to unlock for kids. And it's just been absolutely profound. And I, I want to say this too is amazing, you know, cause when I look back at my experience with math, you know, it was always anxiety, you know, yeah. and it always seemed like, you know, everybody else was passing me up because in school you have to, if you don't get it, they're moving forward and that's mm-hmm. it. And one of the things about homeschooling that's been, you know, just uh, eye opening for me is that, you know, we have children that, different paces you know and you can just go you know and then when you're learning it like this i wish i would have learned math (laughs) in this way i think i would have understood it uh better you know and so it's just amazing to see what god can do that your gift would make room for you like god will use those gifts you know and to to bless so many people that you don't even know you know what you have you know it's just amazing Am I right in this also, Steve, that Matthew C. is not only used among homeschoolers and in private Christian education, but isn't it also used in in some public arenas as well? Yep. Um, But it was a surprise to me that our second biggest market back when I was leading the company Mm -hmm. was the special ed departments of schools because Mm -hmm. I, I wrote my curriculum for tutors. And see, homeschools are tutors. They're not classroom teachers. And that's, that's two different right. very skill sets. Yeah. And a tutor, the first thing they do is you find out what your child knows, and then you start there, and then you move at their pace. And see, that breeds success, and it helps them to feel confident. Mm. But it turns out that's the same model for most special ed programs is they assess hmm. And then they use hands-on materials, and then they move at the child's pace. So I didn't think of that when I wrote it. I just was trying to create something for homeschoolers, but it turned out to be a very natural fit for many special ed kids. Wow. Man, praise God. So so then if if we go back to the family element of educating at home, this then becomes the basis for 
you, the ministry now that you are leading, that you have founded, building faith families. There was something I was watching a video that you were presenting. It was uh, parents are uniquely qualified to teach and disciple their children. And one of the things that struck me in that presentation is that you kind of went back to, I guess, the beginning, if you will, of the homeschool movement, at least before it was where it is now, certainly. And one of the things that you pointed out was that when parents, Christian parents began pulling their kids out of the public school setting, they didn't have a vision for education. They just wanted to get back to the good old days of education. So it's like we want Bible reading and we want prayer. But beyond that, there was not a vision for the role of the family in education. And I want to use that point as a springboard to talk about the role and the purpose of the family that includes education. So it's it's not just school at home, but it's in total shaping and discipling and training our kids in godliness and righteousness and readying them to live in the world. Well, Miki, you certainly did your homework, and I'm impressed just listening to you. I could just sit here and listen. You're doing a great job. So <laughs> I just want to set you up to hit it out of the park, Steve. <laughs> okay. Um, the family has been what's been resonating on my heart even before the mask, because I'd spent all those years working as a youth leader and as a camp counselor and a Sunday school teacher, and if you're at it long enough, you are going to come to the same conclusion that it's parents who are the primary educators of the kids, primary influencers of the kids. And uh, you can get help from other groups, but it's parents because you're together 24-7. Mm. Now, if your kids are in school, maybe it's not 24-7, but when you home educate, it's 24-7. Yes, it is. And, and, and so the verse that shaped me for the first three-fourths I did the math on this. The first three-fourths of our family history was Deuteronomy 6-7, which says, you shall teach your children diligently, which I took that to mean systematic family devotions. I don't mean systematic, but just intentional family devotions. And our family started off, and it was fits and starts, but God helped us to become to make it a habit in our home. Mm-hmm. And we, we've read almost the entire Bible out loud as a family. Wow. Chapter at a time. Sit down and go around the room, and each person would read two or three verses. If we had time, we talked about it. If we had time, we sang a hymn. And that, that to me, was the most satisfying part of home education. Mm-hmm. But interestingly, the rest of that verse says, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you lie down, and when you walk by the way, and when you rise up. And I read that, and I thought, I have to homeschool. How else Mm. am I going to be with my children and let them observe how I live out my faith in day-to-day experiences unless I'm with them? But the beauty of the family is not only do I get a chance to impact my kids, my kids get a chance to impact me. Hey, Papa, I thought we read this morning we're supposed to obey the laws of the land. Wasn't that a stop sign? (laughs) <laughs> so it's called it's called built-in accountability that's because right. you got these little eyes watching you, and I really think that's what changed Enoch's life. If you read in Genesis, it says Enoch he had Methuselah, and then he says after Methuselah was born, he walked with God, and I think having children helps us to take our game up, and. We want to give them a glimpse of what it means to be a follower of Christ. 
Okay. Can I, can I keep going? No, let's pause right here. Very good. Okay, most people don't hear the music, Steve, or they just ignore it. I don't know. But no, let's let's do take a pause right here, and we'll come back on the other side of this and continue unpacking what it looks like to build faith families. I want to encourage our listeners to check out Steve Demi's website, buildingfaithfamilies.org. That's buildingfaithfamilies.org. We'll grab this break, and then we'll be right back. Stay close. Thanks, Aaron. The Addisons on American Family Radio. We appreciate you listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Forever Jones with You Are Welcome. Our brother Steve Demi, who is the founder of the Matthew C. Curriculum and uh, Building Faith Families, which I want to say the curriculum that we ordered was not just the original Matthew C. Curriculum. We went actually to the tab where it said, Math, even you can see. No, I'm just kidding. That's not, they don't have a tab like that, but just that's where we would have gone. <laughs> Steve, that's where we would have gone if there, if there were a tab. Um, before we went to the break, though, we were talking about homeschooling as a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I think this is such a great point that you make, even as you present all across the country, that educating your kids at home is not just an academic alternative. And I think so many parents begin there and stop there. And the Lord has mercy on all of us at all times, right? But but there's something that we must understand about living the faith before our children and with our children. You mentioned even mutual accountability, but I kind of want to go back to that lifestyle of living the faith with our children. Okay, so over the years, we, we developed something that my daughters-in-law have observed and named the Demi Way, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> because when we were homeschooling our kids, we read a whole bunch of books aloud, and if you read the books aloud as a family, you all get each other's jokes. You, uh, we watched the same videos. We went to the same field trips. We went on vacations together. We lived life together. Mm-hmm. So we knew each other really well, but we really did develop our own unique family chemistry, which every family will, like you said. Mm-hmm. Every yes, family is right. going to have a different chemistry because <laughs> God made us all unique. But I didn't even notice it, but my daughters-in-law noticed it. They, <laughs> <laughs> they came into this family, and they were keenly observant, and that's what we've been referred to as the Demi Way. But after all those years of building up a whole reservoir of family relationship and family love, and let me just tell you that um, I told you for the first three quarters of my life, I patterned myself at Deuteronomy 6-7. That was the verse that shaped my philosophy. But if you notice, it was all about giving to my kids, teaching Mm -hmm. them the Bible, living the Bible out in front of them, et cetera, et cetera. And in 2012, all of them had decided to join our family business. And then my first thought was, great, we can just continue this wonderful lifestyle together. Now we can work together and grow together as families. What I didn't know was that God was um, had other things in mind. And that turned out to be the hardest year of my life 
and the best year of my life, and we used up a whole bunch of that relationship that we've been storing up because mm-hmm. it was it was a it was extremely difficult, not just for me but for the whole family. But it started when somebody heard me speak on Deuteronomy six seven, and they said, "I'm just curious, why do you always leave out the fifth and the sixth verses?" Now, by the way, I am not looking at any notes here, but I've got this down cold. And I went back and I read my Bible, and here's what it said. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the fifth verse. That's the verse Jesus quotes when he's asking Matthew 22, what's the first and great commandment? Mm -hmm. And then the sixth verse says, And these words which I command you this day shall be on your heart. And I realized those two verses were addressed to parents. Mm-hmm. So before I can teach my children to love God in His Word, I need to love God in His Word. Mm-hmm. And I took that really seriously, and I thought, God, am I like that church in Revelation that maybe has lost their first love? And mm-hmm. I began praying that God would help me to love Him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I knew He would answer the prayer, but I had no idea how He would do it. And so in 2012, We got this idea of having a family business. We hired a consultant to help us. And through that process, I discovered what it was like to work with me (laughs) because there was a safe place. Hmm. I was a benevolent dictatorship, benevolent. But (laughs) having this consultant at the table provided a safe place for my kids and my wife to talk to me. And at one point, it got so I couldn't take it. I hear I was desperately seeking to be a godly husband and father and provider and finding out that I had wounded my people that were closest to me. And I, mm-hmm. and I, it was more than I could take. And I mm-hmm. wrote on a piece of paper, I'll just turn the business over to you and I'll walk away. And my kids pushed the paper back and I'm crying as I tell you this. He said, we don't want your business. We want you. Wow. And what that did was, it made me realize that I had issues, that I had baggage, I had wounds, scars, stuff from my past, and I hadn't dealt with it, and I hadn't been willing to deal with it. And my wife had been observing it and making little gentle hints, but I just kept, you know, well, you know, I understand, but I can fix that, and I can do this. And that's what those two verses tell me. I need to love God, and and I need to love His Word. And the second thing is, in this process, well, I'll just tell you where the breakthrough happened. The breakthrough mm-hmm. happened for me in John fifteen nine. I'm reading through it, and I'm realizing at that point that most of my Christian life, I had not really understood grace, that God loved me for who I was. I thought I had to do stuff to please mm-hmm. God. I thought, mm-hmm. I thought I had to perform to be pleasing to Him, and... Mm-hmm. And as a result, I was doing this, but it was hurting my family because I didn't understand grace. Mm. And so John fifteen nine, here's what it says. Jesus talking to his disciples as, I'm going to give you the Steve International Version, but you can look it up. <laughs> here's what it says. Hey, disciples, just like my dad loves me, that's how I love you. And now abide in my love. That's exactly what it says. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. And I got it. And I have no question that the Father loves his Son, but to think that the Son loves me just as much as his dad loves him, I got it. Mm. And it transformed me. Now, it took a 
a year of therapy, doing reflection, digging deep, and it's a longer story. But right now, I'm in the best place I've ever been with my dad and my family. Wow. And, and the second thing is, is I, as I looked at the relationship between the father and the son, think of his baptism. Mm-hmm. Jesus comes out of the water, and the father looks at his boy. Again, Steve International Version, because you already know what it says. Hey, this is my kid. I love him to pieces. And every time I see him, he makes me smile. And if you and I get that, that that's how the Father, because of what Jesus has done for us, that's how the Father looks at us. And he said, hey, Mm, it's Will and Mickey. They're my kids. And I love them to pieces just the way they are. And they make me smile and light up every time they come into my presence. And, and now that I've gotten that, now I can pass it on to my kids. Mm. Because wow. you can't give something you haven't mm-hmm. received. Mm-hmm. And, Steve, I want I I I I to I hang out ahead. here for just a second, if you don't mind. Because I, 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 I discern sort of like a there's an additional message in there that I think is um, applicable to our listeners. And I, I, I just kind of want to go back and run a highlighter, highlighter over this because w- what I hear you saying is that because the audience is vast here who's, who's listening right now in real time. So you've got homeschooling families, you've got um, public schooling families, and you've got private Christian educating families. All of these families are listening right now. And I think that one of the takeaways here is a self-examination, even as we approach building our families for the glory of God, um, it's incumbent upon the husband of the family, the head of the household, to really have this this self-examination as as we are undertaking this task. Am, am I gathering that correctly here? Okay. So you know who helped me to really understand my baggage? My family. Hmm. But, but mm-hmm. they were unwilling and to tell me because I wouldn't listen because I would have taken it all personally mm-hmm. because I defined myself by what I did, whether I was a good speaker, a good husband, a good dad, a good math curriculum guy. And you know who I am right now? I'm not the math guy. I'm not the building faith families guy. I'm an adopted child of my dad. And he mm-hmm. thinks I'm the best yeah. thing since sliced <laughs> manna. <laughs> and, but you know what? Yeah, that is that is fundamental because mm-hmm. I really believe that what made Jesus a great savior was that he had a loving dad, mm. and and you can't if you can't be a loving savior until you've been loved by your dad, and and I can't love my family well until I've been loved well. I really believe that's the biblical model in Deuteronomy six. And in that John fifteen nine passage, that it really starts with our vertical relationship with God, it colors all of our horizontal relationships. You know, I think it's interesting in the relationship between the father and the son, so much of that is put on display for our benefit, Stephen. I, I, I believe you would agree with that, that we are able to observe yes. this perfect unity that exists between the father, that the father validates the son, that the son submits to the father. And these things, and, you know, you even have Jesus referring um, at different times that this is for their benefit. Like, I know that you hear me when I pray. I know that you're there, but this is so that people who are watching the onlookers and then and 
we, all the way down the line, we will also benefit as we read this, that we understand this relationship. And even as what I'm grabbing from what you're saying, the importance of um, being able to study that relationship um, in our relationship with our children, that mm. these things become vital. I want to ask you this, Steve, as we talk about okay. building. Is it okay? Go ahead. Okay. I know you're the co-host, but can I jump in here? <laughs> no. <laughs> Go right ahead. <laughs> okay. All right. Because you just, you, you just nailed it right there. We need to look at that relationship because that's going to impact our relationships. Because three verses later in John 15, he says, and as I have loved you, that's how I want you to love one another. Mm. And so since 2012, when I understood this, I consciously look at how Jesus has loved me, and I want to love my kids the same way. And that, I mean, there are no perfect fathers on earth. The only perfect father and the only perfect son in heaven. But my eyes now are not looking at people. I don't want to raise my kids like I want to be raised or like I wish I'd been raised or the opposite of as I have been raised. Mm. I want to look at how has Jesus loved me. And I can I can flesh that out for you for the rest of the day because I've thought about it a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and when Paul gives the instructions to husbands, he doesn't say, love your wife like you would like to be loved. He says, love your wife as Christ has loved the church mm-hmm. and laid his life down for her. It's built on that exact command in John 15. And it's it's been transformative to me because now not only do I love God more, I know him better because my eyes are up looking at him and how he's loved me. Mm. Done. Man, well, no, that's wonderful. <laughs> that's like, I'm just, yes. you know, I'm, I'm just thinking about what you're saying. And I'm thinking about just over and over and over how we as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, how we miss it, yeah. you know, but the Lord is so merciful to us that he doesn't leave us in the miss. You know what I mean? He doesn't leave us. He he reaches down and he he reorients us. He turns us back to himself. And this is such a powerful thing. I think there is such an encouragement And what you're saying is we're having many conversations about how we educate our children and what that's to look like and and whether or not people can or can't do it. I think the larger question here, and just to, to underscore it all and kind of summarize really is the call that God has on the family. Like Mm. what is the role of the family in the proliferation of the gospel, setting an example before our children. And it seems that this is what you're trying to help families navigate through your ministry, building faith families. Is, is that, is that fair? You, you're just setting me up with these big softballs here. So here's, okay. <laughs> okay. I got to first give credit where credit is due because one of my sons, when I asked them, I said, can you talk to me and tell me what it was like? And he did. And I heard the good, the bad, and the ugly and it was transformative again. Things I should have heard 30 years ago, now that I'm in a safer place with God, he could tell me. But mm-hmm. the real hero was my wife, who you mentioned before, but I've heard it said that a psychiatrist will give you expensive answers that your wife can give you for free. <laughs> right? So, yes. so nobody knows us like our spouses. You, right. I heard you mm, say so this. True. And nobody loves us like our spouses. And Sandy, God bless her, became Mama Bear 
when she saw that my behavior was impacting our kids adversely, she sat down with me and she put her finger right on my spiritual condition. And without her, I couldn't have gotten the help. But you know that new commandment that I quoted, love one another as I have loved you? Mm -hmm. It says, and by this shall all men know that you're my disciples by the love that you have one for another. Hey, Steve. Families can be a light to the world. I, I am so, I, we are at the end of the program. So what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to have you come back on where we can spend more time just kind of unpacking this and talking about building faith families. I will tell our listeners, go to buildingfaithfamilies.org and learn more about this ministry until tomorrow. Lord willing. God bless. <laughs>